little prophetic word as we were in prayer uh, before the service this morning. And it was, uh, I just feel like I would share it with you tonight. But it said, uh, the Holy Spirit, we were just praying in tongues, you know, and looking for the direction that the Lord would lead us in our Sunday morning pre-service prayer. And he said to me, he said, uh, safe harbor safe harbor and I, I thought well I hadn't heard those words before but I heard those words safe harbor and he said then as I just meditate on it the Holy Spirit began to expound and he said this church is safe harbor and I then saw ships pulling up to dock out in front of the church and, um, and, on, and on those ships people would get off of those ships and they would come and, and when they come they would bring uh, abundance with them they would bring um, they would bring you know sometimes ships carry abundance they carry treasures and they would bring finances into the church they were bringing abundance in and he told me he said uh, there's uh, people coming to this church they're, they're coming and he said some of them are coming on the, getting off their ship for a vacation they're coming for a refreshing. You know, when you go to vaca on a vacation, you want to get refreshed. And he said, some are coming for a vacation, and they're going to come in to be refreshed. And he said, some of the ships are pulling into dock to be refueled. Docks, ships will pull into dock if they need refueling. And he said, some are coming to be refueled. And then he said, some are coming into dock to be repaired and mended because their boats broke. Hallelujah. And then he said, and some are, are going to make this their permanent dock. And they're going to get out and be workers or servers and ministers on the dock. Hallelujah. And uh, he said, But he said, you know, not all are going to stay that come in these doors. And, you know, we've done this before because I've heard you say these things to me and to other people. And he told me how to, tell you, to tell myself and to tell you and to quit this. To stop this because it's the because of the plan of God for this church because this is what he wants to do to stop when people come in and they don't stay quit saying to yourself and to others I wonder why they didn't stay you know they came for three or four Sundays I thought they were gonna hook up with us I wonder why they didn't say stay we he told the Lord said we need to quit saying that you need to quit saying that because the, their, their ships are gonna come into dock to go on vacation, some of them. Some of them are coming to be refueled. Some of them are coming to be mended. And some are coming and they'll make it their permanent docking place. And then he said to me, you know, when you go to vacation somewhere and you really enjoy it, what do you do? You go back. And he said, some will come and on a little vacation to be refreshed. And then again, they'll come again later to be refreshed on another little vacation. And he said, you know, some, when they go to a vacation spot and really enjoy it over several times, they think, let's buy a house down here and move down here. You know what I'm saying? And so there's going to be some. And that's what he told me. He just explained to me how he wants this church to operate in these last days. And he said, then he kind of clarified that this afternoon. He said, you know, there's people that need help. And they need the refreshing. And they need those things. But they still have the bondages of religion on them. And they can't stay, they can't stay away from it. And they'll go back. But he said, so don't concern yourselves. Don't concern yourselves. And he said, and you know, some of those, those people that come in, they're going to bring treasure with them too. Hallelujah. But we don't, you know, it's always a good rule of thumb just not to ever get your eyes on people. How many of you think know that? It's just in every area of Christianity. So uh, that's a word from heaven to us. Amen. To, to let people, to not, to not demand that everybody that walks through the door be a permanent fixture. But let people come and get a little refreshing. 
Amen. Let them come and get refueled. Let them come. Amen. Hallelujah. God will work it all out. You know, the Bible says that he adds to the church. Amen. Hallelujah. So that's a good thing for us. And I think that has to do with 2004 and things that are coming. You know, um, Steve Sampson gave us a word, uh, Pastor and I. He said uh, that morning, he said, get ready to be blessed. Get ready to be blessed. Well, how many of you know that even though I love blessings and, and I, boy, I'm wanting them, amen, that if God says something to you like get ready to be blessed, it must mean you're not really ready to be blessed. Or there might that you needed to make an adjustment in order to get blessed because otherwise why would God say that? Why wouldn't he just send the blessing? But when God says get ready to be blessed, it must mean that, you know, you're not quite ready to be blessed. Even though you go, oh boy, no, 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 Debbie, I am ready to be blessed. And, you know, yeah, we're ready in the sense of we want God's blessing, but we hadn't always made the adjustments we need in order to receive God's blessing. Well, one of the things the Holy Spirit ministered to me, um, and, and I kind of already knew this, was later through that week was that that wasn't just a word for us. And you can pretty much know that that's the truth. And any time the pastor of the church gets a word, it's a word for you too. Because like he said, you're our family. You're in our family. And so um, it's kind of like, you know, if daddy gets a word. I know one time a pastor got a word when we were in an Ed Dufresne meeting. And the Ed Dufresne called him out and said, your future is bright. And I'd never heard him, but I heard the other day Steve Sampson get that word, but I'd never heard that word before that till then. He, and you know, there's been times that the devil has tried to tell me, I'm going uh, to kill you, Debbie. And uh, I'd say, uh, you know, uh, I know that's not true because my husband's future is bright. And how could he be happy if he had to have a funeral? I mean, I mean, he couldn't be, his future couldn't be bright. So I know that's a big lie. So it's like, boy, that, you know, those words can help us in more ways than we even realize. But I knew that word was, for, you know, he can't get a bright future and it not include me. And he can't get a bad one either and it not include me. I mean, I would mention that, but hallelujah. <clears throat> so um, when the pastor of the church gets a word, well, it's for all of us, so get ready to be blessed. And then, you know, we were in the office, I believe it was uh, Wednesday morning, and Kevin was asking me and Wanda, what are we supposed to put on the sign? Y'all got any ideas for the sign? And so we were kicking around all these Christmas things, and nothing just seemed quite right. And then and Kevin just said to himself, he said, get ready to be blessed. And we said, that's it, and that's what you're supposed to put on the sign. So he did. And uh, <clears throat> so uh, I went home later that, I know something just clicked in me when he said that. And I went home later that afternoon, and, and as I was even driving home, just God, the Holy Spirit was putting a message in me just like that. I mean, he was just giving it to me like that, and that's how I like it. Anyway, he told me tonight to talk to you about getting ready to be blessed because uh, uh, we're all connected to that word. And the first thing he said to me about being blessed is, first of all, you've got to believe the prophets. You know, we can get that word all we want, but if we don't believe it, you know, it's not going to do anything. It's not going to change anything. And we need to train ourselves to believe the prophets. My pastor used to say it this way, to be easily persuaded to believe. And that's what Mary was. Remember how Mary, Zacharias, pastor talked about this morning, was just the opposite. He wasn't quick to believe even though he had prayed. When the answer come, he didn't believe it and he didn't even recognize it. You know? And, uh... uh 
But Mary, she was really on the quick side of believing. You know, she said, Be it done unto me according to thy word. And she just jumped on the bandwagon. And you know, then she asked a question, and, but she didn't ask in doubt. Zacharias asked in doubt and unbelief. He asked in an unbelieving way. And, and, but, but Mary just asked for, uh, she just asked for more clarification. And it's always good to ask uh, for more clarification. You know what I'm saying? Um, so uh, we're to believe the prophets. Turn over to Second Chronicles. Uh, amen. We love the word. This is our lifeline. Second Chronicles. Second Chronicles. <laughs> Second Chronicles. <laughs> Chronicles. I never. <laughs> Second Chronicles, chapter twenty. Oh, I'm going to read this in the Amplified to y'all. Because it's a little better. Amen. It's juicier in the Amplified. I like it juicy. Amen. I'm getting there. Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 20. It says, um, uh, and that's the last part of the verse. It says... O Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem, believe in the Lord your God, and you shall be established. Believe and remain steadfast to his prophets, and you shall prosper. Believe and remain steadfast. You know, I think it's important the way the Amplified puts it, because sometimes we get that word in a service, and we go, Whoo, yes, but then we don't stay steadfast with that word. We don't stay steadfast. You know, we ought to be, when we get a word, we ought to be on it. We ought to be on it. Oh, we ought to be speaking it 14 times a day. Well, that might not even be enough. But, I mean, it ought to be coming out of whatever God said to us. My future is bright. Whatever he said to us, I'm, I, you know, hallelujah. We ought to be on it. We ought to be pressing on it. We ought to be pushing on that word. Just squeezing it like you would, like Kevin said, like a tube of toothpaste. I don't. I learned about abundance and I quit squeezing it down to the last drop. <laughs> Hallelujah. I, I said, you know, I don't have to put off getting this new tube of toothpaste that I have down here in my bottom drawer. I don't have to run the toothbrush up, up trying to push every last. I even heard of some people I, that actually take the scissors and try to get that out. But I'm telling you, I, I got set free from that. I'm so free from that. And so, you know, you know, if I don't like the toothpaste, I just flat throw it in the trash. I don't use that whole tube of toothpaste. You know, if they sucker you in by advertisements to try, to try something new, or you see something on sale and you try it, and you go, this is the yuckiest toothpaste I ever tasted in my whole life. You know, I have given myself permission to live in God's abundance and just to walk over and dump that in the trash. I used to think, no, I, and, and I used to have lotion bottles of, that I would save. I didn't like the lotion, but I couldn't, you know, I gave my permission to self permission to walk over to the trash can and just dump all of that. Hallelujah. It's just so freeing. Hallelujah. So give yourself some permission. But we ought to be pressing on the Word of God. It's not our toothpaste, you know, tubes that we ought to be pressing on. It's the Word of God that we ought to be pressing on. It's the Word of the Lord. Amen. And so we believe. And turn over to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13. You know, we need to... So much of the church uh, is not very good believers. 
and we ought to be good believers. But we've, instead of believing prophets, we've tried to discredit prophets in the United States. And, you know, uh, we, we, so we get them on prime time, and we let Diane Sawyer uh, and, and uh, all those girls work them over pretty good, you know? And, uh, and, and we try to discredit them instead of believing what they say. And we ought to not believe anything that doesn't line up with the Word of God. But God's trying to get some things to us. And, you know, there's things, you know, everything God does has to be spoken first. That's why some people aren't very blessed because nobody ever says anything about them and, nobody, and they don't say anything about themselves. You know, I told the prayer team, I mean, the prayer, yeah, the prayer team this morning, I told them, I said, you know why it took 4,000 years to get Jesus here from the time that Adam fell? It took 4,000 years to get Jesus here because a man had to speak it in the earth. Now, see, before Adam fell, uh, God was sovereign in the earth. God uh, was in complete authority. He had sole authority in the earth. And that's why when he went to go create and start creating, he just said, light be. He said, land be. He said, oceans be. He said, animals be. And he just started creating with his words because he was in complete authority. But when, and then he, gave, he created man, and he gave Adam uh, joint, not, not joint authority, but they shared the authority of the earth. Adam was supposed to listen to him and, and, and carry out that authority in the earth. When Adam committed high treason, God was no longer... Now, Adam is not, belongs to the devil. He, 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 it says, you know, in the Word, Jesus said to them, he turned to the Pharisees and he said, Ye are of your father the devil. People that aren't born again, God's not their father. He's not the father of the whole earth. He's only father of the born again Man and the devil is their father, and they're influenced by their father, the devil. <clears throat> Some more than others are influenced by their father, the devil. But anyway, uh, so God is no longer in authority in the earth. He's not in authority with Adam. Adam has joined himself to the devil, and so God has got to work with men and move on men to get somebody to say it. Because God's saying it is not enough anymore. It's not legal. And so for 4,000 years, actually for, I think Isaiah prophesied the virgin birth. The virgin birth had to be spoken. And I think he actually did that. If I'm not, y'all correct me if I'm wrong. But I think it was 600 years before Christ when Isaiah finally said it. It took God 3,400 years to get a man to say it. If he could have got a man to say it the next year, we could have got a redeemer here the next year. But it, like one person said, I heard one person say, uh, you know, saying something's good, any child is going to be born. I mean, if you, uh, like I know we went to Moulton, Alabama one Christmas Eve, no, New Year's Eve, and it was a big New Year's Eve blowout in their church, and, and Pastor Michael started preaching, I think it was at 9 o'clock that night. I don't remember. Anyway, till about 11, then there was a break and eating. And then this next preacher started at 12. Those people went till 4 o'clock in the morning. That is just... But anyway, there was this little young woman there. She's probably about 28, 30 years old. And she was not... All, she, her elevator didn't go all the way up. I mean, you could tell. And uh, she got up there and she said in front of the whole church, I'm going to get me a baby this year and I don't need no man. And we all knew she wasn't all... Nothing. It was, 
you know? And because uh, we, and, and you know, it was just like that. I mean, they knew where babies came from. And so, no telling how many men, no telling how many prophets uh, God's put in their heart that the Messiah is going to be born of a virgin. And they knew it in their heart, but to say it, <coughs> that's all. Because, you know, it's just so far out there. You know what I'm saying? Isaiah finally had the nerve to say it. And everything God does has to be said. And that's why he will say it over you through a prophet. Then he wants you to start saying it too. Amen. You start agreeing with what the prophet says. So the best way for us to get ready to be blessed is first of all, we gotta believe not only we gotta believe the prophets, but we gotta believe the word. What it says about us. It's a higher word than even the prophet, what this Bible says about us. If the Bible says we're more than conquerors, bless God, it don't matter how you feel. You are more than a conqueror. If the Bible says you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, it don't give a rip how you feel. It has nothing to do with how you feel. And the devil has kept us as Christians a rip more in tune with our feelings than we were ever supposed to be. Amen? We're to disregard our feelings and put ourselves, our bare faith, on the Word of God. Just walk out there in bare faith. And I know sometimes when you step out on the Word, you feel like you are walking out on a limb and you are sawing it off behind you. And that's exactly what you're doing. Just bear faith in the Word of God. Amen? And so we're to be ready to believe and quick to believe. 1 Thessalonians 2, verse 13. Hallelujah. We're not supposed to be trying to discredit preachers and prove them wrong. Amen? And in verse 13, And we also especially thank God continually for this, that when you received the message of God, which you heard from us, you welcomed it not as the word of mere men, but as it truly is the word of God, which is effectually at work in you who believe, exercising its superhuman power in those who adhere to and trust in and rely on it. You know that's what that saying is? You know, a, a lots of... You, Especially this happens, I think, in denominational churches. You know, well, we say, well, you know, the pastor, that was a real inspiring message. He had some good thoughts there. Well, you know, it's not supposed to be the pastor getting up and sharing his thoughts on a subject. Why do we care what he thinks? I mean, we might as well listen to what you think if it's just thoughts. Amen? Well, let's just get somebody off the street and see what they think. Amen? If it's just thoughts, no. But, you know, pastors, pastors have gotten through too many of their sermons off the Internet. Or before Internet, they got them off a book. You know, you can order a book of sermons and preach out, and preach out of books. And, and, you know, and that's not God's Word. That, if you're going to have God's Word for the hour, you're going to have to pray. You're, and it's not even a lot. It's not like, oh, that's all they... No, pray. It's a matter of believing God and turning your heart toward God and receiving from God. We don't have to go begging for a sermon and spend 14 hours praying for a sermon. But we feed ourselves the Word of God and, the, and then the Word of the Lord for that hour, for that day, comes up and percolates up on the inside of us just like a percolator. Hallelujah, and comes out. But, but we as the people, you know, we're, we're obligated to put ourselves in a church like this one where you know that's what, we're not getting our sermons off the internet. Now, there might be some Sundays when you think they're better than others, but most of that has to do with you, not us. 
It does, because atmospheres affect everything. And we try our best to get the atmospheres right. We start out in prayer trying to change the atmosphere. Because sometimes the atmosphere, you know, the atmosphere is just better around here when Alabama gets through playing football. Now, if we'd grow up and be a little more mature and more spiritual, that wouldn't have to be the case. But I just noticed on Sundays after football, we, don't, we aren't able to go as high as we went this Sunday. We went high this Sunday. Amen? Why? Because we're letting it, it affect our atmosphere. I believe we could enjoy it without letting it affect us. Amen? But you know what? If we can't enjoy it without letting it affect us, well, the Bible says cut, it, cut your arm off. You, you know, if you fast it for a little while, then you'll be able to enjoy it without letting it affect you. And that goes if it's the Dallas Cowboys or if it's the, you know, if it's the world, worldwide wrestling on TV. You know, you just can't stand to see, you know, that Bubba getting, huh? Or whatever it is. You know, or whatever, you know, or if it's your favorite TV show, you know, if, uh, if, your, if your favorite character got killed on the TV show. Hallelujah. If it affects you, cut it off. Amen. Because it's not supposed to be affecting us. Because if it's affecting our moods and it's affecting our, then it's, not, then it's affecting what we can receive from God. It's affecting our maturity. It's affecting our growth and all sorts of things. I don't know how I got on that. That must have been divinely inspired because I didn't have that. But anyway, we're to be receiving what comes from the pulpit as uh, not just the words of mere men, but as truly it is the word of God. We're not just up, up here just trying to talk to hear ourselves think. Or, was that wrong? We're not just trying to listen to ourselves. We really believe we're speaking what God would have us say and that it's a direct word from heaven to you. Amen. And I believe that when Steve Sampson comes, it's, it, he's got a word for heaven from us. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So, in that word it says is effectually at work in us who believe. It's only at work in the ones that believe that it's a word from heaven. Hallelujah. If you believe it's a word from heaven, it'll work in you. And it exercises its superhuman power. It has superhuman power. Amen. In those who adhere to and trust in and rely on it. We ought to adhere to it. We ought to believe the prophets. That's one way to get ready to be blessed. If you don't believe the word, get ready to be blessed. You, you're like, well, I don't even know. I don't know if that's a word from God. Well, you won't get ready to be blessed and you won't get much blessing. So, number two. The second thing the Holy Spirit said is to make room for blessings. Some of us don't have enough room in our lives for blessings. You've got to make room for more blessings. Now, we do that in a spiritual sense. Hallelujah. In Isaiah chapter 54. Isaiah 54. We need, one of the ways, you know, just believing about blessings, believing the word that came forth about blessings, believing what the prophet, uh, Brother Kenneth E. Hagin, said more in 2004, believing that will make some room in you. When you start believing it and talking about it, Talking about God's blessings. Talking about God's good to me. That makes room for blessings. Amen. Uh, you know, just acknowledging, oh, I tell you, God's been so good. Look what he's done for us. Look how we're blessed. Look how we've increased from where we can. I don't know about y'all, but I've increased. I mean, Pastor and I started off in a little two-room house. I told you, with a dollar-a-yard shag carpet. Two-room house. And then we progressed, and we got that mobile home. 12 by 60, uh, 
avocado green from stem to stern. Hallelujah. Commodes, floor, table, washer and dryer, every speck of it, every curtain was avocado green. What could they have been thinking? I mean, I don't know. Hallelujah. So it was, and you know, but that was a move up. We owned it for one thing. That was a step up from the two-room house. Hallelujah. And then, you know, we believed God. Well, I, I, we didn't even really, I, we didn't, I didn't just believe God. I demanded. You know, we got in this bad hailstorm and tornado in that mobile home, and it scared the liver out of me. And that was before I knew to fight fear. So I was like getting in the... De I, didn't, I didn't just say, God, I want a house. I demand a house. And uh, I got me a three-bedroom, two-bath brick house and uh, a $122 a month house payment. How many would like to have that now? <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. My daddy had a fit. He had a hissy fit because we paid $18,000 for a house because he had never lived in one that cost that much at that time. <laughs> It's just perspective, folks. It's just perspective. Anyway, uh, so uh, <clears throat> you got to make room uh, for blessings. Amen? Make room in your heart. Isaiah chapter 54 verse 2 says, I'll get there in a minute. Verse 2, Enlarge the place of thy tent, and let them stretch forth the curtains of thine habitations. Spare not, lengthen thy cords, and strengthen thy stakes. Verse 3, For thou shalt break forth on the right hand and on the left, and thy seed shall inherit the Gentiles, and make the desolate cities to be inhabited. One of the best ways to, to, to enlarge and get ready for blessings and to make room for blessings is to begin to, to uh, expand Expand yourself on the inside. I know stretch. You know, praying in tongues stretches us. Dancing in church when you've never danced stretches us. Raising your hands when you never have raised your hands, that stretched me the first time. You know, and once you you know, it's kind of like your body and clothes and everything else. You get an old t-shirt all stretched out and you can't get it back. You can't, you know, you get a piece of... Have you ever done that? Gotten something so stretched out and you just could It never went back to normal. And you can get your body like that too. So stretched out, it'll never go back. Hallelujah. <laughs> Without going to extreme makeovers and... Hallelujah. You know what I'm saying? Huh? Hallelujah. Well, we want to be that way spiritually. We want to get stretched out so we can get out of our little place. You know, we can be in such a confining place that, you know, you know how it is. That we got the little hymn book. And we're stiff as a poker. And we nearly pass out if anybody in the church says amen. And then, we, you know, we got rid of the hymn books. You know, well, well that's a stretch. We actually uh, are singing something that's not in the hymn book. Now, that was, that was a stretch. And then I remember uh, the first time we clapped. That was a stretch. It was, I mean, if you was raised Pentecostal, y'all think this is funny, but it was a stretch for us Baptists. We to clap in church, to clap in the, pre when you're, you know, clap at a football game, but to clap in church or clap when you're in a spiritual setting, that was a stretch. And then to lift your hands was harder than clapping. And that's when you just kind of did like that. And then you kind of, you know, in one hand, and then to put two hands up. Because, see, if you've got one down, you can kind of, you're kind of safer. 
you're safer. But if you get two up, somebody can walk up and hit you right in the pits and, and you know, or something. <laughs> or I don't know, you're just vulnerable. You're kind of vulnerable or something, you know, because you, you surrendered. You have surrendered to God when you get, and when I'm not talking about two hands like this, but I'm talking about all the way up. You are so surrendered to God. Amen. Hallelujah. And then to go up and get prayed for and not brace. You know, put one foot back so the, so you be sure you don't fall. You know, that's a, you get in, you're getting enlarged. Hallelujah. And then to jump and ch- jump in the, you know, Kevin starts dancing and, you know, you do something, well, you're getting, you're getting enlarged. Amen. It enlarges us. Uh, praying in tongues. You know, all of us have our tongues that we pray in. Our tongue. I know Colin used to say he could repeat mine word for word. He had heard it so much. But I stretched since then. Because we ought not to be so repetitive in even tongues. We ought to stretch. Did you know you can change the dialect? You can change the, the rhythm? You can change the... You, you can reach down even there and even use a different syllable. God didn't just give you ten syllables. Like what a Shokomo Shandai or whatever it is. You say that over and over. I think that's what Pastor says. Shokomo Shandai. You know, we ought to be stretching and we ought to be freer. You're not ever going to get free if you don't stretch. Hallelujah. And some of you that sing soft ought to try the loud speed every once in a while. Hallelujah. Some of you that, you know, the Bible talks about prayer. It always says in the Bible, it always talks about they raise their voices. It never says, see, religion says, lower your voice to pray. You can't find they bowed their head and closed their eyes in the... Amen? I think bow your head and close your eyes is a good thing to do with kids. Just to keep them from pinching each other and all the stuff that they do while they're supposed to be praying. But I, 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 we can get free. You can, you, know, you can open your eyes and pray. You can watch and pray. That's what the Bible says, watch and pray. You, you can do that. Hallelujah. And so there's lots of ways to enlarge. Make room in our heart. See, one, one way we can tell we don't have any room in our heart if we're not hungry, if we're self-satisfied. If we're hungering. You know, hallelujah, praise God. We've got, so we're making room. We're making room. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Then another thing we can do to make room for blessings is to make some room in the natural realm too. If you want some new clothes, empty out your closet. If, your clo- if you've got five closets packed with clothes, God's not going to send more likely. So it'd be good to have three or four things hanging in there and say, you could say, honestly, God, I need clothes. My stepmom, she says, my dad says, she's got four closets full of clothes. She says, I've got a different size in every closet. (laughs) She says, I change weekly sizes. (laughs) Anyway, so anyway, make room in the natural. Make some room for blessings. Make some room in the garage for a new car. You know, you some of you are like believing, oh God, I'm believing for a luxury car. Well, you don't like, it's, you know, and you've got a garage sitting there full of junk. I guarantee you, you get a luxury car, you're going to want 
it in the garage. So make some room in the garage. Make some room. Throw some stuff out. Clean it out. Get some, get some room in the natural for God to bless. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Um, number three, the third thing the Holy Spirit said was to expect. In Psalm 62, 5. You know, I, we ought to be, really, the Bible word for expect is hope. The Bible says there's three things that are going to last forever. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. But just because the greatest is love don't mean we ought to throw out faith and hope. Amen. And we ought to be expecting. We ought to be in hope all the time. Not just in hope, because we have to have faith to get to manifest it, but we ought to be expecting. Psalm 62, 5. Yeah, I'm getting there. It says, uh, My soul wait thou only upon God, for my expectation is from him. Are, uh, my question to you tonight is, are you expecting God to bless you? Are you, and you see, he said, get ready to be blessed. The way, one way to get ready to be blessed is to expect blessings. Expect blessings to come every day. I, I go, when you go shopping, expect to be blessed. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. But don't get your eyes on people. I want to tell you something. I'll just say this. This is extra. Be a gracious receiver. Since we're coming up to Christmas, you know, in this church, we're expert givers. I mean, we're nearly experts at it. We love to give. And we found out that it's really true. It is more blessed to give than to receive. The feeling of receiving is, mu I mean, of giving is much better than the feeling of, of receiving. The feeling you get from giving is much better than the feeling you get from receiving. And I tell you, the feeling from receiving is nice. I mean, it feels nice to receive, but I've noticed lots of people aren't very good receivers. And I didn't used to be a very good receiver. I'm a pretty good receiver now. And I tell you, this is so selfish why I was not a... I was selfish. It's like, I, and I had such a list of needs. I had all this stuff I needed, and I needed and I wanted. And if you didn't hit one of them, I was disappointed. You know, it's like, well, they gave me this, and I don't need it, and I don't like it, and I don't want it. But then I found out something. I found out the Lord had given me anything I wanted, so it didn't matter what anybody else gave me. It didn't matter if I had to walk to the dumpster with every Christmas present I had because they were so sorry. I've never had to do that. But anyway, if I literally had to walk to the dumpster and put them in, it don't matter. I can be grateful, I can be happy that somebody thought of my name. and Because if I have a list of stuff I wanted or a list of stuff I needed, God just give it to me another way. But I used to be so dependent on what other people were going to give me. And so if my mama didn't hit it or my daddy didn't hit it, you know, or my mother-in-law, she never did hit it. <laughs> she, she ain't hit it yet. No. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm just kidding. I'm teasing. I'm really teasing. I really am teasing. Hallelujah. Pastor didn't hit it very often. <laughs> Hallelujah. And you know, I even talked to my dad about this this week because he's like, because he's not a good receiver. And he is a marvelous giver. He's marvelous, isn't he? I mean, isn't he a generous giver? He is so giving to our family, but he just, he don't never like nothing you give him. 
And so he brought the subject up. So I just dived right in. He said, there ain't nothing. I, there ain't, I don't want nothing. I don't want nothing. I don't care if anybody don't give me nothing. I don't want nothing. I said, Daddy, you need to learn to receive. I said, it don't matter if you like it or not. You just need to learn to receive because you, you got everything you need. So just, in, so just praise God if it's good and praise God if it's not. Amen. Hallelujah. And he said, oh, yeah, yeah, I like everything I get. And so I'm like, well, praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. But a lot of people, don't, it, 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 they don't like the feeling of being that somebody else is giving them something. But that's wrong. You ought to be able to receive love as well as give it. You ought to be able to receive blessings from other people as well as give them. Amen? Because if you won't receive from me, you cut off my blessing. You cut me off. Amen? Hallelujah. So that's one way to make room. Expect 1 Kings chapter 18. Um. um We can expect to be blessed by God necessarily put our eyes on people. And that way we're not walking around with our hand out. Well, I'm really expecting you to buy me lunch. That's wrong. You ought to be expecting, I'll pay my way or I'll buy yours. And it ought to be not, I'm expecting you to buy mine. That's wrong. That's a wrong attitude. That's the attitude of a taker. Hallelujah. People want to give to you, not to be took from. Amen. Don't be a taker. Be a receiver. There's a difference. Being a good receiver, but not a taker. Walking around with your hand out, or my daddy used to say, trying to outfumble everybody at the cash register. You know, that means that you keep your hand in your pocket so long looking for your billfold that somebody finally gets it paid for. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> or you sit at the table two hours because nobody ever touches the ticket. I like, you know, we really, when we, the people that we hang with, the pastors, we, they fight over the ticket. It's a vicious fight. And one thing you learned if you went to Word of Life Birmingham is always try to out-love and out-give the other person. And the big thing in Birmingham Word of Life is I love you more than you love me. I, I love that. I love you more than you love me. It's so funny when you tell somebody that. I love you more than you love me and they don't answer. Like, that's probably right. <laughs> that's probably right. You probably do. <laughs> Me and Pastor even do that. He says, I love, uh, he'll say, I love you. I say, I love you most. I love you so much more than you love me. That's what I tell him. And he says, there's no way, there's no way you could do that. That is impossible. I say, yeah, there is, because I'm, so, I'm capable of so much more. <laughs> I mean, we just banner about how, we do. We banner about how much more I love him. You know, and I said, yeah, I love you most. I said, I adore the ground you walk on. I love you more than you love me. See, that's how marriage ought to be. Everybody trying to outgive in each other and out-bless each other and out-love uh, out each other. Amen. And I know I love my kids more than they love me. I know I do. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. And see, are, are you trying to out-love and out-give everybody you're with? And you know, you say, well, I don't have the money to outgive them. Yeah, but there's lots of other things you can give. I got my car washed this week. Somebody was trying to give. 
Hallelujah. And it didn't cost anything but sweat. Hallelujah. That's love. Some are, lots of people are just seeing how little they can get by on as far as giving. And that's not us, though, praise God. Um, <clears throat> how little they can tip. Ooh, don't go there, Debbie. What's the least we could tip? Well, what's the most you could? How far could you stretch so you could get ready to be blessed? How far could you stretch? What's the least I could give in the offering? No, what's the most you could? How far could you stretch? Could you stretch a little? Could you make room for a little more blessing? I don't like to see, and I've said it in this church before, and praise God, believe with me. If you don't like this either, then believe, I'm believing that I don't have to do the bookkeeping of this church. It's 20, I, it's 20 years. It's time for me to retire, folks. It's more than 20 years. I'm not retired, but to move up. It's time for promotion. To move up to something higher. And I'm believing for somebody else to, to take over the bookkeeping and, and uh, uh, take over the offering counting and everything. But I tell you, I don't like to see people stuck in the $5 rut. Five dollars, five dollars, five dollars. I couldn't, you know, I don't want to be able to prophesy what you gave before I look at the offering envelope. Because you're not ever stretching. You ought to stretch every once in a while. Amen? Well, and you say, well, I don't think the pastor's wife ought to know what we give. I don't either. So pray with me and believe. Hallelujah. But I'm the only one that shows up out here on a regular basis that knows how to do it. So pray with me and believe. Amen? Amen. Thank you, Jesus. It'd be better. Hallelujah. Mm. But I tell you, I still know we ought to stretch. God stretches me in my giving. Sometimes I go home and think, what was I thinking? Because I was under the anointing. <laughs> Hallelujah. But uh, I just say, oh, well, <laughs> somehow God will fix it. He'll take care of that. Amen. First Kings 18. Well, we may have to go three or four weeks on this. 1 Kings 18, 41. And Elijah said unto Ahab, Get thee up and eat and drink, for there is a sound of abundance of rain. So Ahab went to eat and to drink, and Elijah went up to the top of Carmel, and he cast himself down upon the earth and put his face between his knees. And he said to his servant, Go up now, look toward the sea. See, that's expectation. When God says he's going to bless you, go looking for it. Go, he, he went up to look, and he went up and looked and said, There's nothing. And he said, go again seven times. Seven times he went to look. And then he said, um, um, go up and say, let me, wait a minute. there is nothing. And he said, go again seven times. Verse 44. And it came to pass at the seventh time that he said, behold, there arises a little cloud out of the sea like a man's hand. Now that's a little tiny cloud. A cloud as small as a man's hand. How many of you know right there you have just seen expectation? You have just seen optimism. When the God says rain and all you see is a little cloud and you go, go tell Ahab. You know, that is expectation. That's optimism. That's having faith in the word of God. And we ought to be looking for God's blessings. We ought to be expecting them. We ought to be checking all the time that, that we're blessed. Amen. And we ought to be, boy, when we see the slightest little inclination, hallelujah. You know, because so much, the, the world's negative, and the world says, now don't get your hopes up. If you don't expect nothing, you won't be disappointed. That's what the world says, but I'm expecting. And if I have to go seven times, 
And, and, and every time it don't look good. Hallelujah. I'm going to keep going, are you? Uh, <clears throat> I want to tell you something. According to Lamentations 3, verse 22, miracles are available to us on a daily basis. Somehow throughout the years, we have gotten the impression that miracles are kind of a once-in-a-lifetime thing. That that's not how God wants us to live. I beg your pardon. The mercies of God are the miracles of God. And he said that their mercies are new every morning. He's got a fresh, fresh supply of miracles and mercies that are available to us every morning. We ought to expect every day to be blessed. You know, when we have a symptom, we ought, I, I expect I'll be healed. Now, I had symptoms last Tuesday. I had tremendous symptoms last Tuesday. Tremendous lies where my body was telling telling me. And I went, but you know, uh, come rain or shine, or hell or high water, I went to get my nails done anyway. <laughs> Hallelujah. I mean, we're not going to miss that. And I mean, I had, I had such symptoms in my body that I know the nail tech was like, because I was shaking so much that she was like, and she kept prophesying to me. She kept saying, you are so sick. You are really sick. You are, you are getting so sick. And I mean, she was just prophesying me. And I said, I guarantee you I'll be well in the morning. So I go home, and I did my body, and I was going before the Lord. I was confessing Scripture. I was going into the throne room of grace and receiving that anointing. And I had healing school the next morning. And, and so I went home, and instead of my body lining up more, I bet my fever, I didn't take it, but I bet it was 102 if it was, if it was anything. My fever shot up so high. And I kept receiving that anointing, telling, and you know, I got a new revelation from God. Instead of, I bind fever, I cast out fever, I tell my fever go down, I didn't say none of that. I just said, I'm 98.6. That's all I said. Because the positive is more powerful than focusing on the negative. And I just kept saying it. And all through the night, I, would, I woke up literally every 10 minutes, I can tell you. I woke, and, and I'm telling you, I, my fever's not, and sometime during the night, I woke up, and I guess what? I was 98.6. And I woke up the next morning, and I was well. Now, I was weak feeling, but I said, I'll get stronger all day long. And that's what I said. Well, Friday, I took Rita to the nail tech to get her nails done, and I stuck my head in, and I said, I told you I'd be well the next morning. And she was... And so she asked Rita about it. And Rita said, well, they just have faith. And, you know, I don't know. Rita got put on the spot to, to, to explain my faith. But anyway, hallelujah. Miracles are available to us. Instead of expecting symptoms, why don't you expect to be healed in the next 10 minutes? Instead of, well, I'll have to wear this off. You know, it'll take six days to get over this or two weeks or six months. And call pastor four days ahead. That always amazes us when people call us four days ahead of time and say, I won't be at church Sunday, I got flu. You can tell they're not expecting to get healed. We have had that happen more than once. I'm sick, I've got flu, I won't be at church Sunday. Or even, you know, even I fell and twisted my wrist. Doctor said not to come to church. And this is Monday, and so replace me on Sunday. You are a faith person. You go to a faith church. You believe in healing. My Lord. I just, you know, we, just, we just look at each other and just go, 
whatever. Dear Jesus, help them. But I'm telling you, that happens often. I say often, not weekly. About two or three times a year, I'd say, in the last 20 years. Amen. Hallelujah. God can't even help people like that. <laughs> he can't. That is no faith. It's like, what's the word? What have you been doing during church? You got your MP3 plugged in your ear? And you... <laughs> oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Well, let's just quit. And... Hallelujah. When can we finish this? Next Sunday night. I got a good idea. Next Sunday night. By the way, <clears throat> I'll make some announcements while we're closing. Hallelujah. I got some more stuff there, so we'll do that next Sunday.